We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been been there, there, done done that. Does the idea of making your plan for the next school year stress you out? Do you need to teach every subject? And how should you organize your homeschool room? Today, we're going to be talking about all that and more. And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Maria. Do you have your coffee? I do have my coffee right here. It's 7 a.m. It is. I was thinking about that on the way over that when we started this podcast, we have our wine glasses with our clinking, but really nobody wants to hear us doing a podcast. (laughs) Clinking our coffee. (laughs) Yeah, nobody wants to hear our coffee clinking. But you know, we do a lot better in the early morning. We're a lot fresher. Yeah. At night, I just get too tired and I don't function well. My brain is tired and it is done. We have to record for like hours. And my editing. I have to edit all the weird (laughs) sounds and everything that (laughs) when we're tired. It's so awful. Yeah, nobody wants that. Maybe a blooper episode someday, but. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you don't want to hear us at night for real. Yeah, our Saturday night references on our blooper (laughs) reel. It's a little bit crazy. Not safe for work. (laughs) But speaking of crazy, we're getting to that time of year. Some of us are bored with our current curriculum or program. Some of us are ready to move on to something different or the next level. And some of you might be brand new to the idea of homeschooling and organizing your school year. If you're a homeschooler that follows a traditional schedule, you might be counting down the days until summer right now. Some of us may be all stressed out because our friends are asking which class we're going to all do together in the fall. And um, we're still thinking about next week. (laughs) I know you're talking about me. I can't help it. I'm a planner. And you may be like Nicole and the thought of developing a homeschool plan stresses you out. And I know not everyone is type A like me. And for those, homeschool planning can seem a little overwhelming endeavor, especially if you're not sure where to start. And don't let her fool you, though. Nicole is a great planner. She just tends to wait to start a little later than me. (laughs) I need that looming pressure of getting it done because it's due. Yeah, you work well under pressure. (laughs) Yes, I'm organized chaos. And I do put you under pressure. I'm like, let's go, Nicole. You do. (laughs) In this episode, we're going to help you to feel confident as you embark on your homeschool journey and help you to organize your year. We've compiled some helpful insights to make this process more simple and stress-free to create a solid homeschool plan for the upcoming school year. And really, homeschooling planning doesn't have to be overwhelming. Right. The first thing that you might want to do is consider creating a mission statement. Before you deep dive into creating an entire homeschool plan, like we encourage you to reflect on the reason that you chose homeschooling for your family. From there, you should develop a mission statement, which is a long-term overarching vision for your homeschool journey. This statement should be rooted in your key values and apply to everyone involved. So for example, to instill creativity, curiosity, and a love of learning through meaningful educational experiences, both at home and in the world. And the next thing that you want to do is to set student goals. And now that you've established your why for homeschooling, you can move on to the setting the goals for each child. Goals are more specific, measurable, and time-bound objectives that you want your kids to accomplish in the entire span of the year. 
And it's easy to become overly ambitious when homeschool planning. Having goals is going to help you prioritize your lessons and keep your students on the right track. For sure. Here's a few tips for successful goal setting. Focus on each child's individual strengths, weaknesses, and interests. Pick no more than three goals to pursue. Too many can get overwhelming. Be sure to track progress and revisit goals on a regular basis. Knowing your goals will help you with the next phase of homeschool planning, which is selecting subjects. Right, and that's where we're off to. And once you have your goals in mind for each student, you're ready to choose those subjects to focus on for the whole year. While this may be dictated by the homeschooling laws in your state, there's usually some room for discretion. Using your state's regulations and your goal as a guide, write down a list of the subjects you plan to teach each student. Yeah, and some people like to stick to the basics, like reading, writing, arithmetic, and then build from there. If you have high schoolers, you might want to go back and look at your four-year plan and start checkmarking off your credits. I just made my four-year post-it note schedule with my daughter. I know you love my... I love your... It's like Excel, except on paper. <laughs> it's very archaic. It is. But, it, but it's pretty. Yes, it's very beautiful. I took a picture. Um, I made it with my daughter last night, and we talked about this in our high school series. The next step in the homeschool planning process is deciding what educational materials you're going to use. Before you opt for the first curriculum a friend or a group recommends, though, be sure to consider what your mission statement says, what your homeschool style is, and your child's learning style. Have these in mind, and that's going to help you find the best fit for your family. We're going to be diving into choosing curriculum and walking you through that process on a later episode, but for today, we're going to be discussing making that plan and organizing the school year. And these are the basic things to consider before settling on any school materials. Would you prefer a pre-packaged open and go curriculum from a single publisher? Do you work from home? How much parent involvement does a curriculum require? What is your child's learning style? I just talked about that. Does your child work well independently? Are they easily distracted and they need you right there to refocus them? Will you find free resources from the internet or library or adopt an eclectic approach? Are there outside opportunities such as a co-op, online classes, or college dual enrollment that would be a good fit for your child? Are you looking for an online school versus a traditional homeschool? This is a good fit for some people, but it also can be restrictive if you want a more flexible schedule to do some of those daytime homeschool activities with friends when you need to be online. Most younger children are typically going to learn better with hands-on, interactive play, so you may want to consider limiting too much computer time with those younger years. And if you're new, you also want to consider your worldview as well as your homeschooling style. This is going to help narrow down those choices immensely. We talk about this a lot in our Getting Started episode. So go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. And if you really want to see curriculum in person, see if your local friends already have it or visit a homeschool store if you have one in your area. Most people have a lot of luck on YouTube, finding videos about curriculum, and almost every curriculum has a YouTube review where you can see it up close. And remember, if you feel that a certain curriculum doesn't meet your child's needs, feel free to switch to something at any point during the school year. You don't have to stick with any materials that aren't working for you. We also suggest choosing flexible curricula that you can modify the materials however you see fit. I've often skipped parts of a lesson that I know was a skill that my child already mastered, and we didn't do any testing until my kids took their entrance exams into dual enrollment, and there really was never a reason for me to do so because when you have a teacher-student ratio of one to two, like I did, you already know what they know. Yeah. Yeah, so don't waste time on unnecessary filler. 
And on the flip side, when something from a lesson really piqued your child's interest, run with it. Spend extra time on that and dive deeper. They're going to enjoy learning and retain information when their curiosity is piqued. And remember, one of our ultimate goals is to create lifelong learners. And these moments of curiosity are opportunities. Oh, for sure. Rabbit hole all day, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's find all that additional information. Organizing your supplies. One of the biggest hindrances to a smooth running school day is having to waste time looking for necessary supplies or finding out that you don't have a key ingredient that you needed for that science experiment. So the key to avoiding this, have a specific spot where all your school materials are neatly organized and look over, you know, your week in advance so you know what stuff you're going to need for that thing on Thursday. And we encourage you to pick a place in your home that can be the designated school supply area. And this can be an office space, a closet, or even just a corner of a dining room. Then you can get a shelf and storage bin for each student so they can easily grab their materials at the start of each day and return them once they're finished. It doesn't always happen, but I know and my children know where all the supplies are supposed to go when they clean up. (laughs) Yes, supposed to go. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing worse than like hunting down a library book or all of that. (laughs) So then develop a schedule. So creating a schedule is another key aspect of homeschool planning. And this ensures that you stay on track and you maintain consistency throughout the year. Uh, There's a number of questions that you should ask yourself while developing your schedule, including... Well, the first would be, do you plan on homeschooling year-round following a traditional academic year or doing something else entirely? That's going to affect all of this. Mm -hmm. How many days are you going to be schooling each week? Are you going to choose five days or four days or take afternoons off? Will you be teaching all subjects each day or adopting a loop schedule or, you know, doing a university model type schedule? Mm -hmm. How many hours do you want to spend doing school work each day? Most people with a traditional school setting tend to be overly ambitious with this. Yes. And I would encourage you to stop and think about the fact that you have a small student teacher ratio and you really don't have to spend as much time schooling as they would in yeah school. a lot of school is involved in transitions right you know we don't need to stand up in a line to go a lot to waiting. the cafeteria we recommend for pre-k to k that you would spend zero to 30 minutes every day Right. And that it doesn't have to be in a row. You could do five minutes here and there, 10 minutes, three times a day, right. you know, split it up. One Short lesson is a lot for it, a young child. It really is. And for elementary students, that would be 30 minutes to two hours every day. Uh, middle school would be one and a half to three hours every day. And high school would be two to four hours a day. And I don't think my high schoolers ever did over four hours, unless we were really deep diving into a project that they like, yeah. wanted to do 24 Or if they were seven. like putting off doing something. But like if they were like solidly focused, like even with full dual credit course loads, my yeah. high schoolers never did more than four hours a day. Right. They so. were just much more efficient when you don't have to account for other people in a classroom and transitions and all that. Yeah, exactly. So keep in mind also any important obligations like extracurricular activities, jobs when establishing your homeschool schedule. Make sure to make room for your non-negotiable fun things like park days or your hiking group. Totally non-negotiable. <laughs> Consider your schedule's big picture too. Like I know I was always going to have a hard time reining kids in after hike or co-op. So on those days, I needed it to be otherwise clear of no school or have like an easy thing that we did. Like sometimes we'd come home and do art after co-op. Uh, the beauty of homeschooling is having t- the, that ability to manage our own time. You're the master of your own time. So if you want to stack Monday and hit it hard in order to have a better week, go for it. 
I would tell you, after those co-op days, I was wiped out. Oh, I was. Too. I was more tired than the kids, And it was honestly. only 10 to 3. We did I know. two classes, a lunch and two classes, and I came home and I just napped. Well, like there hour. was so much prep, too. You know, you got to get up early. You got to make lunch. You got to make breakfast. You got to load the car with the stuff know. for your classes and all that. I like... really don't know how other people do this every day. Mm, uh-uh. No, it's too much. I could not do that. <laughs> well, I would really encourage you to embrace spontaneity. One of the greatest gifts that homeschooling offers is the flexibility to adjust your schedule as you wish. And that said, it's helpful to plan for spontaneity by allocating some breaks in your homeschool plan. Last minute opportunity for a trip? Go for it. Kids feeling burnt out? Play some hooky and get back into schooling tomorrow or even next week. I just did that with my 15-year-old the other day. I'm like, you want to play hooky? And he, he didn't know what hooky was, but I know, he now was he was telling does. me that in the car one day. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it seems kind of counterintuitive when we say uh, plan for spontaneity. But, you know, if you plan ahead for these spontaneous scenarios, it allows you the freedom to enjoy some time off or handle unexpected life events without school-related stress. This is one of the reasons I really love to school year-round. There's no pressure for me to stick to a particular schedule because I know we're just going to go. And once we're done with this level, we're just going to roll on into the next. Like I don't I don't have a firm end date that I need to stress out about. So when should I start planning for the next school year? Well, the great news is that your homeschool plan doesn't have to be fully fleshed out before you can get started. Of course, your goals should be planned before the start of the school year, but try not to get too hung up on this. You're the administrator of your school and you can adjust as circumstances change. Right. Having your subject and curriculum plan in advance is ideal as it does give you time to become comfortable with your materials. But on the other hand, one of the main benefits of homeschooling is having that ability to add or change subjects and curriculum during the school year. So if you haven't found that perfect writing program yet, just wait and add that subject in a bit later rather than make an impulsive decision. At the beginning, well, I just said we school year round, but we do kind of, you know, start some of our outside classes like on a traditional schedule. And I kind of like to ease in like we might start one class one week and then add in the second class. Yeah, I do the same thing. We do like a slow roll. Yeah, sometimes people get really ambitious. I think in the early years I did, I'm like, okay, today we're going to do seven subjects and we're doing them all hardcore. And Mm-mm. that was that was a big mistake and a recipe for disaster yeah. for sure. <laughs> so roll in. Roll in, yes. <laughs> when the actual lesson planning happens, it's a personal decision and it's really up to you. While it isn't necessary to plan all of your lessons for the year in advance, as things will undoubtedly change your schedule, having a rough idea of what you want to cover at certain points throughout the year can really be helpful. We suggest doing the actual lesson planning probably a week, maybe two weeks in advance, and that way you can easily make adjustments based on appointments, whether or not you're hanging out with friends, field trips, extracurriculars, and so on. Things will disrupt your schedule. Yeah. As we mentioned in previous episodes, my family is really project-based, and whether I created a curriculum myself or I bought it, I always kept a running list of supplies that will be needed on my phone. And sometimes you'll be too busy to pre-organize, and there's nothing worse than sitting down on Sunday night to quickly write out your week and realize that you're short an ingredient or a supply for a project or an activity. So when I'm at the store doing my normal errands and shopping for the week, I glanced down at my list to make sure I didn't forget a supply for the upcoming week. And that's why I keep that tally on there. Mm -hmm. And I especially like to have festive activities for holidays. I would have foam shamrocks from the dollar store to write a leprechaun poem. Or have candy hearts on hand to do math addition for Valentine's week. 
or there was one time we had I needed to make sure I had the right color felt on hand to sew a special pillow for our dog's birthday Aww. that week. So all those activities they really enhance the fun for your kids. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know I tend to be an all or nothing person, so sometimes if I plan too much in advance or like a super rigorous schedule, and then I get off schedule, I'm likely to just bag the whole thing. So <laughs> rather than do too much and then get frazzled, taking things in smaller chunks is a better method for me. And you can have a long-term plan and a short-term plan and just kind of work those together. You know, whatever works for you. Right. And the point is, don't let homeschool planning be a source of anxiety. Take a deep breath and take it one step at a time, one week at a time. You got this. You definitely have this. And if you're new to homeschooling, you do have a couple considerations to make as you begin planning. First thing you're going to need is to familiarize yourself with your state's homeschooling requirements. Are there subjects that you are required to teach? Do you need to keep records or work towards an end of your test or portfolio evaluation? Some states have really strict requirements. Some like ours are really vague. Right. So you'll need to decide if you will or need to follow your state's curriculum outlines or do your own thing. On our website, we have a page devoted to each state requirement. So if you don't know what yours is, we'll have a summary there with a link to each state department on our show notes so you can look that up. Right. And are you new because you have an up and coming homeschooler? As you planned, obviously the age of your child is going to matter. So if you have a very young student, like three to five, learning happens through life and play. This age should be really non-pressure, non-stress for learning. Right. And this age range is ideal to pick some simple goals like maybe some life skills or some language development or large motor skills like climbing on the playground and maybe some basic fine motor skills, how to hold a crayon. If you've not checked out our preschool page, be sure to do that. From there, you can listen to our preschool episode and the page has tons of ideas for facilitating learning through play in your home. We also have a lot of free resources you can download, including morning and evening routine charts, We have a nature scavenger hunt I made and other things that you can download for creating fun in your homeschool. Yeah. And next, regardless of age or experience, consider putting together a general overview of what you're going to teach and learn throughout the year. Consider what subjects you want to make sure you cover, like core subjects, math, reading, writing, and what things you personally consider as extras. Involve your child. Ask them. Consider their interests and curiosities. Right. Think about what topics you would like to learn through a unit study. Unit studies are a great alternative or a complement to a curriculum. They give you an opportunity to pursue an interest or curiosity to wherever it takes you. And this is where some of the best learning happens. I've always favored unit studies and we would incorporate them through the year. But before high school, we've always schooled year round like you did earlier Mm -hmm. on. And we would have short days and a lot of breaks. And when our main curriculum was complete, we would dive into all kinds of topics. And over the years, some of the unit studies that we've done, we did penguins. Cameron was super into penguins (laughs) for five years. We did a unit study on civil rights leaders. We did volcanoes and Mount Vesuvius. Who doesn't love volcanoes? Right. We did the light spectrum. Those activities were cool. And there's a really cool exhibit at the science at the Perot Museum here Mm -hmm. uh, for the light spectrum that we kind of finished that unit on. You could do space. We did that one. That was a lot of fun. We did Native American and tribes, human anatomy, and we did so many other unit studies over the years. Or you could also spend some time being more specific with targeted goals, like being able to write in cursive or memorize all the times table or start dual enrollment or possibly even take an AP exam. Yeah, I'd like to use driver's ed as a bribe to get through something else, currently algebra. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, as soon as you get the, she's like, when can I get my permit? I was like, well, you got to finish this algebra book and then I can sign you up for that. <laughs> so make sure that your goals are developmentally appropriate and personalized to your child. A vision board can be a great way to plan in a creative way. Right. A lot of homeschoolers like to create a vision board for the entire year. And I would encourage you to involve your kids in this activity. Your child can cut or paste pictures of words or things that they want to accomplish or attempt throughout the year. And if you don't want to do a vision board, just brainstorm together on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper. Right. You can divide it up into sections to focus on, like like academics, unit studies, social, physical fitness, financial, personal, etc. Uh, this is a great way to see what their goals are and help them figure out what steps they need to take to get there. If your child is needing inspiration, they could go to websites like outschool.com and look through different courses. You can go to our electives page on our website and look through some of the out-of-the-box ideas for electives. Write a list of favorite topics or subjects that they are curious about, then see how you can use these in your school year. Right. Also think about what kind of extracurriculars do you want to be involved in this year? Board game group, scouts, co-ops, music lessons, robotics, book clubs. Does your teenager want to get their driver's license? Do they want a part-time job, a volunteer job? What about an apprenticeship? What about social meetups and friend time? You've got to make room for those. Right. Yeah, that reminds me. I actually need to sign up for volunteer. We haven't done it at the senior center ever since COVID. Oh, so yeah. They opened that back up. Thank goodness. Oh, they did. Sometimes I like to do a theme for the entire year. I talked about unit studies a minute ago, and this is like an entire school year of a unit study. One year we did an entire American music and history year. We learned about American music from the early natives to swing to ragtime to modern hip hop. We made a leather skin drum and we read books about the Beatles and Scott Joplin. We watched all oh, that Jamie Foxx movie, mm -hmm. uh, Ray, that was favorite of Cameron's that year. And we visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Graceland. And it was an entire year of unit study that I put together. And we still did math, but almost everything else we learned was themed for that year. And it's by far our favorite school year ever. One day I may organize this for other people wanting to do this because I couldn't find anything out there like it, so I just made it. And you can do that too. If you have a child with a very special interest, go for it. We have a good friend, Jen, whose daughter is really into fashion design, and she designed an entire school year of fashion. And she made so many beautiful dresses and, you know, cut patterns. She made her own patterns. And she even made her prom dress that year. It was gorgeous. She's an incredibly talented young woman. She's she really so is. She yeah. made a costume for one of my daughters for a play. She actually gave Riley sewing lessons, too. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, we have another friend, Candy, who used to make all of her own curriculums. And she was a huge lover of old movies. And so she often made her curriculums around. Like, she did a whole World War II with old movies curriculum and all kinds of crazy different stuff. It was awesome. Homeschooling, you know, offers the opportunity to approach learning and teaching completely differently than the traditional school system. So roll with that. There's lots of educational methodologies that we can choose from, even that we can mix and match from. You don't have to, when we say pick a homeschooling style, you're not committing yourself to that for 12 grades. You can mix and match and change things up. Your whole goal is to provide a very well-rounded, thorough learning experience for your child. Choosing curricula is the one step that tends to overwhelm, panic, and stress people out, and it can be one of the hardest steps to take when homeschooling planning. There are so many choices out there, and so there, many. yeah, there can be too many choices. And going online and searching homeschool curriculum, you're going to have a million results. 
And that's why we really recommend having some things like worldview, your homeschool style, what kind of materials you prefer, locked down in advance. And this is going to definitely help narrow your options. Right. And we are going to do an episode specifically guiding you on how to choose curricula. Uh, We're also going to be spending a lot of time reviewing and making different curriculum suggestions. But in today's episode, we really want to focus on just organizing your calendar and setting up your child for success throughout the school year. Right. You want to spend time figuring out what you want to teach and how you want to teach it. And this can help narrow down those options. Right. Get creative with courses, projects, hands-on learning. There's also a lot of amazing classes and programs, digital and printable resources, and other unique options to choose from, like like we had mentioned, out of school or even in your community. Like look up your rec center. Look and see what other uh, a la carte homeschool classes are available around you. Right. And we also have our super cool book of centuries and timeline figures. And this can be a fun way to add history. And when you visit our website, you can download a lot of free resources that we created to help you plan. We have reading logs. We have a field trip planner. We have board game templates, a student planner. We also have two high school transcript templates you can download for free. We've created a lot of these resources in previous episodes, so be sure to check those out. And for this week, I created free planner templates for the whole year, and it includes a family planner, daily routines, weekly schedules, and year at a glance, and it also has a five-week subject map, and it it's kind of like where you can lay out the framework of your lessons five weeks in advance and adjust as needed. And this is kind of the precursor to the BTDT planner that I'm currently finishing. And I'm planning to have that at the homeschool conference in June. And if you haven't signed up for the Texas Homeschool Expo yet, do it because you're going to get so much great information. I love going to homeschool conventions. This is one of the first that is all inclusive. It's not affiliated with any religious or government entity. And there's going to be, I think there's going to be entertainment there too. And also we will be speaking there. Our topic is about creating a four-year plan for your high schoolers. So if you have a child in high school or an up-and-coming middle schooler, this is exactly the session that you need to attend because you will need to make that four-year plan ideally before the high school years even begin. Yeah, it's going to be great. We hope to see you there. So let's also talk for a sec about physical planners. Um, You know, I like to spend my Sundays making my blueprint for a beautiful week. And that's when I lay out like my schoolwork. I look over our activities and obligations on our calendar. I make my menu plan. I make my grocery list. You can do this any way you want. But I was a long time holdout to a paper planner, paper calendar. But now I use an online one. I use Cozy, the Cozy family calendar. And um, I use Google Keep, which I was just just showing you about that. that. That looks so cool. I have to check that out. It's really neat. We've done many things over the years to help organize our school. I'm currently back to a paper calendar because I print it out and I allow my son to put the subjects he's working on so he can kind of manage that himself. And I just oversee and administer it because he's a little older. Sure. But I've used um, the Homeschool Planet. I've used Trello. I've used a wall calendar in the past. The wall calendar was pretty cool because it was a dry erase board. I actually bought two of them from Target. There were two months and I just put them because no matter what, one month is never enough because I'm always planning for the future month. Yeah. So I would just kind of rotate those um, on the wall. So I literally had two uh, stacked on top of each other. 
And like you just said, it's, it is important to let your older kids kind of find the method that works best for them. And when they're little, you know, they can just do whatever you say. But our kids are growing up in a much more digital age than we did. And they might totally cringe at the idea of using a paper planner like my kids won't. <laughs> they just won't do it. So, um, you know, be flexible. Like not everybody has to use the same kind of thing. We can show them and or let them pick out things that they think they may want to use. These are just some ideas. So just do what works for you and your kids. Yeah. So just a reminder that this is a weekly episode. We drop one every Thursday morning just for you. And if you have any additional ideas or comments, please come and comment on our Facebook page on the episode thread or send us an email at info at btdthomeschool.com. We'd really love to hear from you. People often ask if they need to teach every subject to their child. Again, you need to go back to your state's requirements. Are there subjects that you are required to teach? Do you need to keep records or work towards an end year test or that portfolio evaluation we mentioned earlier? Most states allow you to make a lot of these decisions, but there are a few that have very strict requirements. Here in Texas, it's one of the easiest homeschool states with very little oversight or requirements. I've actually known some people that have moved because they wanted to live in a state that allowed them to school the way that they saw fit for their family. Right. And some people also like to keep an eye on what public school standards are for each grade level. Uh, We didn't do this, uh, but it might be something you do want to do if you think your child may return to school at some point or if you just want kind of a general idea of where you are compared to other public school kids. Right. And here's a very general overview of what subjects are typically covered in school. And we will kind of detail this in future episodes a little bit further. But in general, we would talk about languages that would include all language arts, reading, writing, grammar, poetry, prose, literature, creative writing, report writing, as well as developing oral presentation and reporting skills. Foreign languages also kind of fall under this language category. And while typically introduced in high school, you can opt to begin foreign language at any time in your homeschool. We talk about this in like one of our old like Q&A episodes. And yeah, Duolingo, the kids love that. Yeah, lots of fun ways. Math, that includes the basics, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, fractions, decimals, and then on to upper level, which would be algebra, geometry, trigonometry, and calculus. Right. Science, that includes biology, your plants, animals, human body, and your physical sciences, physics, chemistry. And then moving on to history, which a lot of homeschoolers choose not to teach state history, but some do choose. So state history would be in that category. There's also world history and country specific history. And we did many unit studies for each country and also cooked that cuisine from that country. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. There's also geography, which is we did an episode just recently about geography that includes earth sciences, astronomy, regional and cultural studies, map work and weather. Technology, uh, that includes product development, using and interacting with technology like PC, internet, home and kitchen appliances, etc., programming, software. And then economic studies, that includes all money and money management, entrepreneurship, investment, business and management skills like time management and project management. The arts, one of my faves, including the practical application like painting, drawing, playing an instrument, theater, dance, and also the appreciation and history of arts and music environment. And then finally, we have life skills, which is we actually co-taught a class um, in co-op for these 
Little survival things. skills yeah yep. <laughs> when we pretended to eat a gummy worm and oh yeah convince the children it was a real worm that was a lot of fun <laughs> so the life skills can include everything else one needs to properly survive in the world that would be home maintenance health and nutrition first aid safety skills relationship skills communication skills handling skills you know surviving in the woods right uh, building a fire uh, drinking oh. your own urine <laughs> okay so only once i don't know if you want to say <laughs> We did not drink our own urine. We it didn't. was apple juice, but the kids thought it was urine for a minute. And we, I think, yeah, some of the parents mm-hmm. weren't happy about it. I wrote an apology. <laughs> it was fine. It was a life skill. I bet they always remember. It was hysterical. No, at none the time. of the kids that took our class are going to die of thirst. <laughs> so, <laughs> dehydration. Anyway, some of these subjects you're going to find repeat in some form or fashion every year. There may be specific ones you save for a certain age or level. Uh, One of my favorite pieces of advice is to not waste a ton of time trying to teach something to a kindergartner that you can spend five minutes explaining to a second grader. And you can revise that statement for any kind of age combo. It really works with everything, not just school, (laughs) like potty training, um, you know, all of those things. But yeah, when you save things for an age appropriate level, they're a little bit easier. Yeah, and every child develops at different rates. So sometimes a five-year-old, it's completely appropriate, but then maybe your five-year-old, it's not, they're not ready for that. Right. So you have to look at your child and see exactly where they are before you start to push some of the things that they may not be ready for. Exactly. So you don't need to teach all subjects every year. Pick and choose things that you need to cover, the things that you want to cover and build for your overall plan from there. And after you finish listening to this episode, be sure to visit our website. We're going to write up all of the show notes and have links to everything that we're talking about. So it's just really easy for you to access and reference. Every week, I like to create free resources that complement that episode. So be sure to sign up to our newsletter so you don't miss any of that exclusive content. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, we would love it if you went out there and gave us a thumbs up or even comment on the episode thread. So how do I organize my homeschool room? Oh, it's my favorite. A lot of people <laughs> love to do this. It's like when you have a new baby and you're doing the nursery. Exactly. The baby may never sleep in the nursery and right. you may never homeschool in the homeschool room. Yes. Minus a homeschool make. storage room. You know, we've said many, many times, you really do not need a physical homeschool classroom or the perfect Pinterest homeschool space to facilitate learning at home. But they are nice and fun to make. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways that people do creatively fit their homeschooling books and supplies into small spaces. Learning does not have to happen at a desk or table. Uh, Ours often happens on the couch or in bed. In fact, we caution against trying to replicate a school classroom in your home. And that can be a waste of time and money for some people. And I know I have wasted some time doing that. Concentrate on things like making supplies accessible all the time for when inspiration hits. It's just another way to keep learning fun. Remember, learning doesn't stop when you close the curriculum book. Children are learning all the time. And your learning space is going to depend on several factors. It's going to depend on the size of your homeschool space, if you have it, and how many children you have and also the type of homeschooling that you and your family participate in. Right. So first, um, you might want to have a tabletop or workspace available. Uh, Some kids very much do need a workspace to function. So consider if you need a dedicated space for a desk or a table that you can spread out on for bigger activities. For many, that might also be your kitchen or dining room table. If your table is doing double function like that, I recommend having like a space nearby where you can stash stuff really quickly so that your homeschool supplies don't take over your dining space space. Oh, it totally will take over your life. 
Although library cards are a must-have for all homeschooling families, every homeschool space must have a bookshelf. Whether they're used to store art supplies, books, games, or other learning materials, shelves are essential to homeschooling organization. My homeschool room is the formal dining room in the center of my home, and for years it looked like a huge library with a center table. And we'll put some of the pictures on the website because I love to see other people's homeschool rooms. Yeah, I loved yours. And yeah, oh, thanks. And so definitely put yours on our Facebook thread because I want to see yours too. So yeah, I'll post mine as well. Yeah, put those (laughs) on this week. Definitely. So along with bookshelves would be storage. Uh, Classroom space of any size needs plenty of storage. a lot of people like to use those cool rolling carts uh, from Ikea for your art supplies, uh, work boxes, which we've talked about before, um, any kind of built-in cabinets, drawers, or cubby spaces with removable drawers. Baskets, buckets are awesome. Uh, we like to be able to move around the house when we're working. So having like a basket with your supplies in it that you can just take from room to room is totally awesome. Right. And also you might want to consider having a dry erase board or a magnet board or even a bulletin board with chalk. Leave some wall space for that. That board and you can use this for leaving instructions, displaying artwork, or writing out big ideas or lists with your kids. We've also kept some of these not on the wall but tucked under the sofa or even in a closet and then when that topic came up I would pull it out and put it on the front. Yeah sometimes uh, be prepared for weird drawings to show up on those that nobody claims (laughs) that they did. So also having accessible electrical outlets and chargers. Make sure you have plenty of places to plug things in. Maybe you have like a charging station set up all the time so that if you're using a device for your schoolwork that day, it's not dead on arrival. Uh, Nothing's worse than sitting down for an online resource and finding out the battery's out or low. Yeah, and if you have wall space or room space, you may want to paint your walls a fun color. Some homeschoolers will put up fun borders along the top. I have a friend that displays all her kids' art around the border of the room. Yeah, we used it for our timeline in one of our houses. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And have frames for homemade art or maps or educational posters or other places to display work. Like we mentioned, uh, bulletin boards, etc. I love some of the Dollar Tree boards. Uh, oh, yeah, they've got all kinds of cool supplies. Target also in their dollar bins around the beginning of the school year always oh, yeah. has really co- cool stuff. Um, You want to have an inviting space. So whether or not you have room space, like consider having maybe a cozy corner set up for reading or some fun, comfy seating. We had the yoga ball chairs, which were really popular for a while there. Those were fun. Or like a large, fluffy rug that you can lay lay down on and stretch out on. I like to have warm, soft lighting for reading, but I also like to have some other lamps that have strong lighting for projects where you need, you know, some extra light. It didn't always have the best light, but my kids loved to make forts and go inside with their dog when they were in younger elementary and read their book or their reading assignment for the day. Consider decorating with some plants or have pets nearby. Like if you have pets that live in an aquarium or a cage, that might be a great uh, addition to your homeschool room or a pet bed. You know, my dog has, uh, you see when we're on Mm -hmm. FaceTime, my dog has a special bed in our homeschool office slash (laughs) homeschool room. We always talk about that he's a working dog because he's an Australian shepherd. uh, And we say uh, that he's clocking in for work when he's laying in that circle bed. Oh, I love him (laughs) so much. He clocks in. Another thing you might want to think about is your back area. We have a back deck that I built with my family, and it's huge, and it's covered. And on beautiful days, all of our schooling flows out there. Oh, yeah. 
And also, sometimes we wake up and we spontaneously say, hey, do you guys want to do breakfast or Starbucks school? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. So we grab our materials and we head to the coffee shop or to the Denny's or wherever and do school there. They have great Wi-Fi. Why not? And of course, you need some school supplies. And we always like to have accessible items to inspire art projects and creativity. Art supplies like paper, different mediums, pens, pencils, markers, crayons, paints, collage supplies, glue, tape. Oh my gosh, my kids use Costco quantities of tape when I know, they were younger I, all I the time. people tape in their stockings when you're... Constant. They love scotch tape. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> You also want to probably have some math manipulatives, uh, linking cubes, counting bears for younger children, games, dice, rulers, compasses, etc. We have a lot of really great math game suggestions on our website. Mm-hmm. I'll link them in the show notes. Science tools like our saved nature items we talked about, or resource guides, microscopes, items for experiments, and STEM learning. Like on our episode last week, we have a lot of really great suggestions for just, you can have these things just laying around for the kids to just, whenever inspiration comes, just just go. Just go with it. One of the things I recommend as well, especially if space is a concern, is having only the items out that you're using that school year. For a lot of us who are maybe managing different aged or leveled children, this means you have a lot of books and a lot of resources going just for that year. So do yourself a favor, stash the stuff that you're saving for later or hand-me-down items for a younger sibling somewhere else, like anywhere else, and make it part of your yearly planning to kind of rotate those things in and out. Oh yeah, that's essential. Oh, one thing that I always do is sometimes, especially with those younger years, there's a lot of art projects that can really take over your house. So I just have a bin in my garage, literally empty at the start of the school year for each child and then as they create these projects I just throw them in each bin throw them throw them throw them and at the end of the school year because otherwise they would take over my house and yeah. at the end of the school year I go through them and I pick my favorites and then I keep them so then right. they're not overruling everything so no that's super smart so hopefully this episode has put you at ease and possibly inspired you to start planning your next school year stop pressuring us <laughs> Come on, Nicole, let's go. It's time. (laughs) So homeschool planning does not need to be stressful, but it can seem like an overwhelming endeavor. And hopefully we gave you some places to start here. Uh, We talked about so many things that can help you along the way. Yes. And we want you to feel confident as you embark on this homeschool journey. Tune in next week for the fifth episode in our high school series. We're going to be talking about college entrance exams. Uh, What is the TSI AccuPlacer? Uh, What is the difference between PSAT, ACT, SAT? And how do I prepare my child for entrance exams? So we'll talk about all that and more. Oh, that's going to be a good one. All right. Thanks. See you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Cheers. Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com, as in been there, done that, btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at the BTDT Been There, Done That Homeschool Podcast. <laughs>